What is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we have a local guest. This is Pao Tupa Tong. Yeah. Hopefully I got it all right. You got it right. Uh, he works for EXP Realty, so that's something that we have in common. Dakota and I both have our licenses through EXP. However, Pao is a lot more of an agent. Uh, he is in coaching with the Chevron Group, uh, Austin Chevron. We'd have had him on the podcast before. The reason that I wanted to interview Pau, though, is because uh, I saw on John Good's Real Estate Mastermind that Pau was in the running for having the most interesting story or the most transformational story. And so I started talking to Pau about that, and he was like, yeah, I immigrated here from Burma. Like, I'm not originally <laughs> American. And I was like, well, that's like interesting, can, noteworthy, and- People can already tell that, right? <laughs> well, you speak really good English, that's for sure. Thank you. Actually, a lot of practice when I like I started uh, moved here when I was fifth grade, so mm. that was my first um, year of uh, school here in uh, in the United States. So, gotcha. That makes sense. So yeah. you, when you first came here, you didn't come straight to Fort Wayne. Nope. You were in Cincinnati. Actually, Bloomington, Indiana, for ten months. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then after that, we moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. My dad wanted to go to seminary school, Cincinnati Bible College Seminary. Mm. So, and then we were there for a good three and a half, four years almost for him to finish out. And then we moved to Fort Wayne in 2001. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I was looking at the culture of Burma in general, and it said that uh, the predominant religion there would be Buddhism Correct. or a form of Buddhism. Correct. And so uh, when did your father become a Christian and how did that influence, did that influence him at all to move to the U.S.? Yes and yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Burma is diverse. You've got mainly Buddhism, but you have, you have eight, eight major ethnic groups, mm. each with, with their own language, culture, you know, customs, everything. So I'm a part of the Chin ethnic group. Mm. So predominantly Chin is on the east side of Burma, um, hills, mountains, and a lot of missionary were sent over there. And predominantly the Chin ethnic groups are all Christian. Mm. So my, my father's mother, my grandmother, um, she converted to Christianity in her village. And from that, then my dad, you know, um, was raised Christian and a lot of you can say all a lot of people in our village is all it's all Christian 100 percent so mm. so from that you know um, he um, because of the village it's being you know poor didn't grew up with anything his father passed away when he was maybe two or you know younger so he didn't he didn't have a father figure growing up um, single mother in a village being raised no he tells me stories about how he had to walk, you know, six miles a day just to go to school. He didn't have his first shoes until he was like in the, in the eighth grade or something. Mm, yeah. So, um, but he, he had a lot, you know, he dreamed big. He had a lot of aspirations and um, he decided to move to Rangoon, the capital city and um, got his, you know, uh, college degrees and everything. So yeah, it's, it's a inspirational story. Just, and my father alone and you know in and of itself wow do you remember what it was like growing up before you came to america then like up until fifth grade you had a different life correct 
And what was that like? Like, did you have electricity? Did you have a lot of the things that we have here? Um, from till I was maybe four years old, I can I remember growing growing up in a uh, in a hut type of house with thatch roof. It would leak whenever it rained. All you had was like when you as soon as you go in, there was like a little bedroom. There was like the kitchen area, and then another uh, like a uh, not even a bedroom, but like a just like a you know something about this high. That's what they slept on. But mm. um, so grew up with that. Um, my dad was gone because um, he uh, had a conversion experience with God, and so he decided to be in the ministry. And so to be trained for that, I remember he was gone a lot, maybe to Singapore or South Korea, just to get the biblical training because we didn't have a good training in Burma. Um, so from that, we just moved from houses to houses, renting out, renting places out. So, um, yeah, electricity in Burma, you know, it's not really reliable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll go out. Um, we had a well. That's where that was our water source. We had an outhouse. Oh, yeah. Dang. It's not really even a sewer. No. No, no, no sewer. Nope. You have to make your own sewer. Dang. So so you can imagine flies, mosquitoes everywhere all the time. <laughs> so how excited were you to come to America then? And, like, what was that transition? Like, were your parents oh like, hey, we're going to America? And you're like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, um, America for us, when I was growing up, it was, like, the second best place you can be besides from heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Heaven mm-hmm. is the ultimate, but then a, a step down from that is America. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all, yeah, I remember, you know, like not being able to sleep, just dreaming, you know, like, wow, well, I can't believe, I can't, I can't wait to, you know, be there and see this, eat as much food as I want. And <laughs> so, yeah. was it, is it everything you dreamed of? The food was not as big as I dreamed of. They're <laughs> 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 like, our food here, our food tastes better than what they've got. <laughs> Theirs just looks good and big and everything, like all oh, meat. But when you actually eat the meat, it's like, oh, it's not as good. <laughs> yeah. But we, but you know, it's abundance here. You know. So. Was it everything you dreamed of? Like, uh, like you know, I feel like the longer you are somewhere, the 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 more it starts to wear off. Does it feel like that now? Where you're like, I right, this isn't as great as you dreamed it, or is it like, no, this is still awesome? Oh yeah, this is still awesome. You know, like. The more I learn about uh, America, how it's founded, you know, the more, um, the more I, I guess I'm more of an American now than I am Burmese. Right. You know, coming out here out of fifth grade, so just more of an Americanized now, and just how blessed I am to be here, and that you know, there's it's all uh, a work of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I we didn't deserve it we didn't plan it the way just even the way we got here was me my mom winning the green card lottery for first time applying it and then we got it so is that not normal that is not normal it's like winning a lottery like the first time you play it and then you win it so wow (laughs) a lot of people have been you know applying it years every year every year and they don't get it but Yeah. So you got here, you got into uh, Bloomington. Did you know a little bit of English when you came into Bloomington? Um, we had, we knew ABCs. That's all we, uh, you know, we knew how to like um, read as far as like put a, you know, like just, uh, but we, we, we wouldn't understand what we were reading. Mm. So how, we how had long, that basic back in Burma. How long did it take you then to adopt 
the new language? Do you think it took like a year, two years? When when did you actually feel like you understood it? When you've been immersed in the school and that, you know, you like I think naturally your brain is like, you better learn this or you're not going to survive at school, right? So for me, it took about, you know, a year just to be comfortable to speak out and, mm-hmm. you know, ex- express a few of my thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. But it took about maybe a good two, three years to be finally able to communicate and be understood. Mm. Wow. I would say. But being in an immersion help, you know, but a lot of people here, I think nowadays, takes a little bit longer because they're just surrounded with their community that they, they're familiar with. So there's not that much of a, um, I guess, a urgency on, in their part to learn the language. So... Did you see differences in our education system, too? Like, did you guys have desks? You probably didn't have, like, the brightly colored Spider-Man backpacks and stuff like that oh. back in Burma. <laughs> back in Burma, like, there was, there was no such thing as classroom decoration, right? It's just desks, chairs, the chalkboard. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before, and honestly, we've tried several different CRMs, and RE Simply has been the absolute best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use, and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now. So uh, what would you say are the biggest uh, shift in, um, you know, the east side of Burma, the Chen. Uh, what would you say is the biggest difference between that uh, set of values and the American values that you recognized when you uh, first got introduced? Mm. So in the east, east in general, right, it, we're more family oriented um, to the point where if we even see a stranger, we call them brother, sister, aunt, uncle. Mm. That's how we address, just to show respect. Um, the, uh, but, but can you be more detailed in your question? Like, what, are you, what kind of values are we talking about? Yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, in general, America is more uh, concerned with the success of the individual. Correct. So we take pride in like, yeah, I did this kind of thing. Versus it feels like a lot of uh, folks who immigrate here came from an environment where it was more uh, about, like, honoring your parents and, like, uh, upholding traditions and uh, respecting other people's views, but then also uh, sacrificing your... Uh, individualism for the group at the same time and so then you come to America and America is more like hey uh, it's all up to you and you're an individual and you get to decide how you'd like things to be yeah okay so so I see what you mean so like the way we grew up is in our culture we teach to um, you know think about for your community it's always it's about community Um, so first we have your family unit and then you uh, brought it out to you know your um, your family tree, and then your village, and then your ethnicity, and then your country. You know we 
we take all that into our con con consideration. When somebody's successful, we're all happy for him, right? Mm -hmm. So we all celebrate. So that's a sense of uh, always us uh, putting into our mindset that, you know, whatever you do, it reflects back to your, f not just you, but your, f not just your immediate family, but your community, your culture, and your country as a whole. Mm. Do you guys, uh, um, when you come to America, do you guys like to all stay in the same house? I know other um, people from other countries, uh, I think uh, India, India, People from India like to, you know, have a big house and then they all stay in it. Are you guys very similar where like, all right, oh, yeah. hey, let's stay tight knit? Yeah, like if my parents would have it their own way, they would have a big house where, you know, all the, everybody would be living in the same house. And so like a, a duplex, triple, quadruple plex would yeah. be a perfect situation for them. <laughs> do, yep. you, do you have, because you have your own homestead, so you have your own property. Is that something that you have like family living with you too? Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, I live with my mom. And my older brother and his kids, his seven kids, mm -hmm. and my youngest brother. So seven kids. My brother, my oldest brother has like seven kids. Yeah. How big is your house? <laughs> uh, basement uh, and then two story. How many square foot? Uh, about three thousand something. Three thousand and how many people? Last time I counted was twelve. How many? How many bathrooms <laughs> do you have? One, two, three, four, three, three full bathrooms. Dang. Mm -hmm. It's got some pillars and stuff. I looked at, I wanted, yeah. I checked it out. I, was like, I just wanted to know. Yeah, that's a lot of people. It's a nice property. I mean, I guess we we kind of stuff that many people in this place. We got like twelve people here, and we're like here all the time. And we got two bathrooms, so I mean, I guess it's not that much different. It helps that like the four or five of them are like toddlers and all that. But once they grow up, yeah, we might be thinking of a different setup. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. So one time we were uh, driving downtown. Actually, no, we weren't driving. We were walking. We were door knocking. And uh, we were door knocking in 06. And then we found this guy who had orange nails. And then he was like dyeing his hair orange. And I'm pretty sure he's Burmese. Is there <laughs> any tradition or a certain reason of orange? Or is that like any significant His nails color? are orange? Yeah, everything. He was like dyeing That's all of his hair unusual. and everything. Okay. In our culture as well. But oh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, usually, usually guys don't paint their nails. So. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was like a tradition thing or something like that. I was like dyeing everything mm -hmm. orange. I was like, man, maybe that's something uh, from their no. country. No, that's not. <laughs> no, he's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> he's just different. Could have been a Buddhist thing too. Maybe the guy no, was. No, they wouldn't wear. They would shave. You know, there would be the monks will be bald and they would wear or uh, you know saffron robe, but mm. not paint their nails. No. Huh. No. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. How did you assume that he was Burmese? Uh, I think it was because he didn't speak English, and then he was mm. speaking Burmese. Oh, so you know it was Burmese. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure. Oh. Not 100. Okay. So uh, how is it that are you, are you able to connect to multiple different Burmese cultures when it comes to... Uh, getting folks as clients so as a realtor are you able to connect with multiple burmese cultures because you can speak a somewhat common language that a lot of people who come over here have and then uh do you think that there's any judgment uh if they're say uh buddhist or 
um, they have a different culture than you. Do you think that there's breaks in that where like you're Chen and so they, definitely. do you feel segregated? Oh, definitely. Even in Burma itself, you know, that's why we can't even um, get along civil war all the time because, mm. <laughs> because I mean, it's mainly it's the government, you know, and then the ethnicity around it. They want their own state. They want, they want, their, they want their own constitution. But then there's a, you know, from the government, it's like a pushback from that. And I'm um, coming here in the United States. At first, when the population in Fort Wayne was not as big as now it is, um, we were we kind of had like a sense of uh, community. But now that you know each and, and even every, every ethnicity has their population has grown, now you're kind of seeing that you know segregation among amongst the Chin, the Karen, the Mon, you know the Muslims, the Burmese. So, but we have the Burmese language. That's the national language of Burma. So we kind we have that in common, the food kind of similar. But aside from that, you know, they just like to stick in their own community. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a blessing and a curse in a way. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so when so when a deal starts going sideways, you're like, well, there's a disconnect to begin with. So <laughs> I'm not 100% responsible for like not being able to, because I feel like you have to have some emotional intelligence and be able to connect with your people and build rapport. But if there's a break there, then you're not able to influence those people to continue with, say, they get an inspection and they don't like the property anymore. You don't have enough rapport, influence, emotional intelligence, connection with that group to be like, hey, no, you guys should still buy this property. Ah, I see what you mean. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... um, so when a deal goes sideways, um, it's of, of, of course the buyers can always gonna blame the realtor, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter, you know how if you try to s- persuade them, you like in our Burmese culture, you know we like we just call them pueza, right? Which means like a broker, and it has a bad rap. Mm-hmm. So even though if you try to convince them to buy the house, they're kind of thinking in the back of my oh he's he's just like a, sort of a sly, you know. Like, uh, in America, in English, you say use our salesman, you know, like a sneaky, sly. Mm-hmm. So they would even have that of a bad taste in their, you know, in their mouth. So um, I just, you know, just have to just explain to them the, the rules, the laws. This is what the law is in America. You can just have an emotional, you know, decision to where, okay, I don't like the house anymore. You can just walk out. Right, and then just explain um, explain to them like just the benefits of staying, mm-hmm. you know, and what would it cost if you didn't, and then, um, does that answer yeah. you? <laughs> no, that makes sense. So, I mean, uh, as a realtor, well, what what got you into being a realtor in the first place? Did your father? So you came over with your dad. Your dad's a pastor, yes. so you're like, son, you should be a pastor. And then you're like, nah, I'm going to be a realtor. Or how did that play out? How did you decide to get into real estate? <laughs> Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, we'll make it for you.
This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below, buy the course. So yeah, um, coming to Fort Wayne, we my, my dad started a church. So I, uh, being bilingual, was, you know, use- uh, The I, translator? Yeah, translator for everything, <laughs> running everywhere. So just kind of, um, uh, at first I wanted to follow my dad's footstep, right? Be like, hey, like, I think I want to follow and, you know, just take on his legacy or whatever that he's, he has started here. Then went to Bible college just to pursue that. And then um, a lot of emotional turmoils going on um, at that time. Just, you know, I I had a, a, a big, um, I guess, a spiritual battle that I had to fight, fight through. Um and that I guess that that kind of overtook uh, a good ten years of my life to where you know I was in the world. What was the spiritual battle? Oh, wow, it's gonna go deep, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, why not? Let's be open about it. Okay, so um, so uh, I struggle a lot with my sexuality. You know, I um, uh, I lived the homosexual lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So that being being in the ministry, just it wouldn't, I knew that it, would, it wasn't gonna go together. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, I, I lived that lifestyle, you know, and then um, back in 2020, um, I had a conversion experience, you know, conversion moment where, you know, finally God said, hey, I'm, you're not that person anymore. Mm. Wow. So that's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Walk us through <laughs> uh, what happened with your uh, dad at the time. So your dad's a pastor. You're going through this. Explain to me what happened with that relationship and like uh, what happened there. Cause yeah, I was not expecting that. So this is, uh, this is definitely, I think it's still good to talk about of like what your relationship was like, what conversations you had and how that went. So yeah. Um, so 20, 20, 13, I would say, yeah, then um, 20, maybe 2020, 2012, I uh, finally said, hey, I can't, I don't want to be in the ministry anymore. Like, this is, it's just not the lifestyle that I see myself being in. So <clears throat> they were like, why? And finally it just came out to my mom and dad, you know, and my siblings. And uh, they, I mean, you know, they didn't take it well, right? They, were sad. they, well? Were, they were sad. They were um, confused, angry, but I still, you know, receive a lot of love from them, you know, so mm-hmm. I, they always prayed for me and everything, but at that time I knew, like, I thought that I knew that this is going to be my life, right? Mm-hmm. So I think just being, um, hearing all, you know, listening to the, the world, the media, just trying to uh, it was, uh, say that you were born that way and all that um, lies and the culture that I um, consumed kind of took over my life. Mm-hmm. For 10 years, you said, or how long? I would, uh, yeah, I would say 10 years. Wow. 2020, so yeah. So then what happened uh, that brought you back or what happened that got you to the point where you're like, I, I'm certain that Christianity is the answer. So I always believed in God, right? I I never doubted the existence of God. Um, 
And then I made, to, in order for me to live the lifestyle that I thought was correct, I had to um, conform, conform God into who he is and that the person, the, the God that was going to be okay with my lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? So that made it okay for me to live the way I live, right? So God is love. So if he's love, then he's going to accept me the way I am. And I can live the way I want to. As long as I love him, then he's okay with me. That's the lifestyle that I lived. So um, um, in 2017, um, I moved to Arizona to uh, start a sushi business with my, 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 one of my best friends, one of my good friends. Um, and, um, and being in that business, you're all day you know, making sushi and all that, and you have nothing but, you know, occupy your mind with something, right? Mm-hmm. So I started listening to a lot of um, political podcasts and religious podcasts, and through all that influence, you know, I think God was working in my heart, just breaking every one of the barriers and lies that, you know, that I have accepted. And eventually, um, one day, you know, uh, he... Um, came into my heart, my life, and just transformed it. Like, say, it's over now. You know, you are my child, and and I was like, I repented, I cried, said, I'm so sorry. You know, this is not who I'm supposed to be, and so from that, from then on, I. Decided to leave that lifestyle, and now you know I've been, you know, growing each day, every day, just living it. So you closed up the sushi business. COVID. COVID. <laughs> COVID closed the sushi business. Yeah, I was supposed to be doing sushi in Tucson, Arizona. So in Tucson, nice. You, Tucson. You got on a plane. You flew back to Fort Wayne. Yep. And you're like. I want to be part of the family again, more of a part of the family than I was previously. Yes. Because you kind of gotten disconnected from them for a minute. And uh, so what got you into real estate then? I was in real estate in 2013 mm. before I moved. Mm-hmm. So before I make a decision to come back here, like, yeah, I think I'm going to go back and do real estate and kill it. <laughs> so that's why it's like, that's why I came back. And then you got connected with EXP. Uh, you decided to do some coaching with the Chevron Group. What led to those decisions? What made you want to go with EXP? What made you want to join the Chevron Group and be so part of that training? EXP um, was because of Von Lurie. Um She was with Chevron and EXP at that time. So when I had to come back, I was like, why, why not join another uh, the the other Burmese realtor that's in town instead of you know in competition so that's that was an easy choice for me to be like hey gone I want to I want to come back to Fort Wayne and do real estate again and that's how I got connected with EXP and the Chevron and the coaching and stuff was she one of the only Burmese in town so 2013 when I got my license I was the only the first Burmese realtor so and, wow. then, and then she and then she was doing uh, Wells Fargo mortgaging at that time. And then when I moved, then I think she 
was like, hey, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so she got her license. Mm. Yep. And then since then, she moved to Florida. Florida. And uh, there have been other folks that I've seen from the Burmese community come on to EXP. Mm-hmm. I've seen some folks with uh, J, is it JM? JM Realty. Yeah. And uh, WADA. Yeah, WADA. And I, we have two other Burmese with Keller Williams. Okay. And and the Burmese community is growing here in Fort yeah. Wayne. Yes. We've yeah. seen, I mean, we've noticed uh, properties that previously uh, would, would bring lower values in, you know, rougher parts of town are now being acquired for cash. People are buying them cash <laughs> as is. And... Like half of our buyers for that have been able to do that cash as is purchase, seemingly not, not sure if this is statistically accurate, but uh, have been Burmese yeah. for the most part. Yeah, a lot of them are uh, moving to Fort Wayne from you know bigger cities to where they have a lot of equity. When they sell that house, they have a lot of cash in hand. So mm-hmm. when they come to Fort Wayne, like the houses are significantly much more you know affordable here. So they were able to they were able to buy cash and raise the property value up here in Fort Wayne. So a lot of the locals are here, like, they were, like, kind of mad, like, man, you guys are coming out. Like, you guys are raising our prices here. <laughs> is there a particular reason that the Burmese are like, man, we want to go to Fort Wayne, or is it kind of similar? Uh, mainly because of religion, religious reasons, because mm. they have a mosque here. We have all the, you know, if you're a mosque, there's mosque here. If you're Buddhist, there's Buddhist temples here, you mm. know, monasteries here. And if you're a Christian, you've got all the denominations you can think of and yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we have one for every. Yeah, so. it is funny. Like Fort Wayne's just far north enough. It still has a lot of like Christian Midwest values, but it's just far north enough that we're not quite part of the Bible Belt. We're like we're not Kansas, we're not Oklahoma, mm-hmm. we're not like though that area, Kentucky, that sort of thing. We're just far north enough to where I feel like there's a mix of cultures, but it is interesting. You don't think of Fort Wayne as being this like hub for diversity either. <laughs> like, it's mostly white people here for the most yeah, part, but, but it's changing. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. I think there's a lot more uh, uh, Hispanics and stuff too. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, Burmese is getting really big. I mean, we're, we're turning yeah, it into pretty the, diverse. The factories, the economy, you know, the work, if there's work to be done, a lot of people are gonna immigrate here and, you know, work, move, so. Yeah, yeah, it's growing. Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures, and tax delinquent properties is important to direct to seller marketing. Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about batch leads is that if you skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and driving for dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try batch leads today. So now that you're on the Chevron group, something that Austin Chevron talks about all the time is being able to create a schedule that you would actually like so that you can spend time with your family, do a lot of things that you'd actually like to do. Do you spend time coaching folks before you take them on as clients? Do you set expectations? Do you only answer the phone during certain times? Are you kind of like the typical like on-call agent who's willing to work weekends, who wants to push and make things happen? Right. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah sometime you know Austin is like if you can just do like 
10 or 20 percent of what I'm teaching you. Your life will be better. <laughs> <laughs> so like you hear what he's teaching, you implement it. And then, you know, where if you don't have your habits and if you're not committed and if you don't stick to it, you're going to lose it. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, 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 a, I'm more of a roller coaster ride with where, with my progress and that. But whenever I do it, I, d- I see results, you know, mm-hmm. but it's hard to commit to the program. But I see that now, right? So the more you fail, the more you understand why you fail, then you try to work on that, and then you go at it again, but you are going to fail again. So <laughs> how, do you, how do you find clients, or how have you found clients in the past? I have been fortunate to just be all referrals. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, if you're great at the service that you provide, and the referrals will will come. And when you when you get business too, is it like you've you're just a you know quote unquote Burmese agent, or have you been able to get like other clients and other groups? Like, do you have a diverse client base when it comes to the people who you've served and helped? I would say uh, ninety ten ninety percent Burmese, and then the other ten would be um, American. Um, Hispanic and yeah, good deal. Do you ever uh, invest or help Burmese invest at all? Like, do you know any investors? Um, yeah, um, some clients that I work with, you know, it's their third or fourth home. Nice. Courses, so, you know, help them see that journey. It's it's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll say I see. Uh, sometimes there's a mistranslation or somebody's not translating right. I've seen some interesting stuff happen with the Burmese community and uh, people being taken advantage of Mm -hmm. that I noticed um, on a settlement statement. I don't want to mention any names or anything like that, but somebody like, I was like, man, they must have not, they didn't know what they were doing. And so I was like, somebody needs to be there to like help these people invest and kind of protect them and make sure that they're like not getting taken advantage of. Cause it was on the, it was on the, we were selling the property and it was mm. on the buyer's side with their agent. Their agent was doing some interesting stuff. Mm. So I was yeah. hoping that you protect them <laughs> and, and translate it right. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like, I go through the numbers with them, you know, and then if there's anything fishy that I see, you know, I'll question the other agent or the title company or just, you know, go with the lender and, like, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you more after. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, what is your why? What are you working toward, or what do you, uh, what uh, gets you up in the morning? Um, <clears throat> right now, my why is uh, just trying to, with everything that just uh, that you know, with with my conversion and everything that uh, that that has led me so far to here. If I, if I say that if I know what my why is, that, w- that wouldn't be 100% accurate, mm-hmm. right? So um, I say that I know that a lot of people are uh, looking up to me, looking at me, you know, for guidance, for assistance. And, and I'm just trying to learn the best as I can so that I can guide them, coach them, or teach them and be a good source of, you know, um, 
advice. They can they they can come to me and be like, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm having this trouble. Do you know how to help me? And I want to be able to not. I don't want to. I know that I can't help everybody, but at least if I can just say, hey, go to this person, go to that person, be that resource. That's that's what I'm. That 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 is my why, and that's what I'm trying to be. Good deal. Do you have any brothers and sisters? I have four brothers and one sister. Dang. Yeah. So, <laughs> so do you feel? I noticed in the. Uh, this is just typical, like a first generation immigrant family. There's like this incredible amount of pressure on you to be successful because your parents get to have the excuse of like, "Hey, we sacrificed everything to get here. Now, <laughs> now you have to make us proud," kind of thing. Do you feel that pressure? Um, I I don't fortunately feel that much of a pressure from my parents. Mm. You know, so because they're uh, um, they're men. Uh, ministers so they just want us to you know um focus on god and you know just being the best for him as you could be that's the pressure i feel but as far as success and everything uh yes they want us to be successful they do have moments where they compare us with other people's kids that are doing better than us but um at the end of the day if we are right with god then my parents are happy Mm. so (laughs) Do you feel like you have, uh, like I know that you said that you don't necessarily have a why. Do you have some goals, dreams, ambitions, or something that's pulling you forward, something that you're looking to? Because it sounds like, you know, from your parents' values perspective, like if you're right with God, then you're good. But then you also get feedback from like the Chevron group, and I'm sure theirs is like, Hey, you need to like create this nest egg. You need to figure out your money so that you can, so that like in the future, you're going to be able to take care of yourself and your family members and get all of the things that you want from life. You know, it's more individualistic, just like American values in general. Do you feel like you're starting to identify more that way? Like as more yes. of an American where yes, you're like, yes. like, I mean, it's all, at the, at the end of my journey, if I am not able to be financially free, then I won't be able to help my community be be of an influential person that you know that they they think that I can be. Um, you know, my I can't help my mom since my dad passed away. So you know, I, I want to be able to just support her with all the everything that she would need. Um, so when you look at it in that perspective, yes, you know, you want to work towards that goal to where you can um, bless and give freely and as much as you want, you mm. know, to the causes that you, you really believe in. Mm. So when did your dad pass? 2018. Okay. Yep. That was a, a minute. It's been like a few, like yeah, five years. Five years, I think. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is your biggest struggle right now? My biggest struggle is, is right now is, myself um i'm my worst enemy you know um but going to psi really helped (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah just uh a lot of self negative thoughts that i have in myself and um all bad patterns 
old habits, you know, mm-hmm. and um, spiritually, you know, leaving the lifestyle that I led, you know, it doesn't mean that it just goes away, right? So mm-hmm. you kind of have a constant struggle with that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of pressure for, in our community for me to get married. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't just be like, hey, I can't get married right now because this is this and this, you know, but <laughs> I don't want to go through the whole story again. <laughs> there's there's pressure to get married oh yeah from your community For, yeah how, how come uh just the normal society standard you know once you're a person you want to have kids children you know they're like who's gonna watch over you when you're old <laughs> yep you used to have people asking those kind of questions then all the time so wow like the first thing they ask is oh are you married yet are you seeing anyone yeah really <laughs> yep. wow so the first thing we would greet each other, hey, how are you? Did you eat yet? Oh, you got fat. Oh, you got skinny. Oh, you got darker. Are you married yet? It's <laughs> <laughs> oh the gosh. surface level stuff and then straight to are you married yet? Mm-hmm. My sister was saying that the last time we were with our family, they didn't ask her if she was going to get married to her boyfriend yet. So she felt better about that is usually <laughs> that's one of the questions everybody asks. It's like, hey, you, you guys going to get married? I feel like they ask it just as a conversation starter. Yeah. And it's like just, it is annoying because, yeah, I was in a relationship for almost four years and is all everybody asked. And I'm like, dude, if you guys would stop asking me, it's actually more <laughs> likely to happen. <laughs> but the more I get asked, the more pressure and the more like, like, oh, now I don't feel like I'm as ready. And yeah, it's yeah. just interesting. What, uh, what sect? Is there like a sect of Christianity that you guys are, are you non-denominational? Or? Um, my dad, he is more of a non-denominational, mm-hmm. like accept, uh, accept everybody, you know, try to be happy and harmony and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I grew up with that, you know, sect sect of Christianity. Um, but going through my through my through my own journey and study, I'm more of a Calvinist, mm. more of a Reformed. Wow. All right. Well, not that anybody knows what that means. <laughs> I do know what that means, but let's explain it to the audience. Well, yeah, let's explain it. They're gonna, it's it's going to be interesting. Let's explain it. Where do you want to start? Calvinist what is Calvinist? Or, well, or, Reformed Calvinist, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah. yeah. So um, Reformed Calvinist. Calvinist means that you believe in the five, uh, the tulip. It's mm-hmm. the uh, be, uh, abbreviate, what do you call it? A- uh, acronym. acronym. Total depravity. Um, un- I don't know them top of my head, but T U un- if you unlimited grace or T U and then limited atonement T U L I. Anyways, I don't know them yeah. top of my head, but I know like you're pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> so perseverance of the saints is the P. Um, so pretty much, uh, we believe in those five. Uh, we call them the, the chain of, like a, the golden chain, right? Mm-hmm. So one happens after another. T, the total depravity, means just means that as human beings, we're all fallen human being. Um, even our free will, our will is, you know, in bondage to where we can't choose God left to our own devices, right? God, like if if we were to, yes, we have free will, but if we were to left be left alone, in our own will, we don't have the capacity to even choose God. Human being is fallen. We're always going to choose to go against God's will. To where um, Calvinists say that, you know, 
you because of our own will that is always going to choose against God. God has to um, change our will so that we will choose him. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to you? Um, and what is what? Do you know what the you is? Uh, if you can just give me a word, then I can probably go. I do. I don't remember <laughs> what the you is. Okay. Well, I guess the, the when Dakota was sort of summing it up to me, uh, it's basically a belief that like if God is infinite and knows everything that's going to happen already made decisions and so things are sort of it's sort of a belief in predestination correct, or correct. an element of believing in calvinism is predestination yes. in general because the infinite intelligence that runs everything knows more than we do and so our we have less of an ability to influence it than we think unconditional election Yes, the ally, the unconditional election. This is, I think, I think you just went into that, right? Predestination, the election, um, saying that God has elected people that He's going to save, and you know that it, for the glory of His Son. That's why He elect people. So, so let's let's uh, let's say some hypotheticals here, because I, I I hear a lot of people talk about this. I was actually just talking to somebody about it. What is today? Wednesday, I had talked about it two days ago, actually, and so it was with a uh, guy who is going to school for, um, I think he's getting his master's, doctorate's or something in theology, but uh, he is Catholic, and then he was basically saying that predestination is, you're predestined, and you're either chosen or you're not, and so then it doesn't matter what you do, you might as well, if you're, you know, you're chosen, then you just keep living, like, you know, however you want, if you don't, then, like, nothing else really matters, so you're either chosen or you're not, and it's not really that fair. What would you say to somebody who thought That's kind that? of the, the view that I had for the longest time, going against, fighting against Calvinism, because mm. I, I was more of an Armenian to where, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a we free have will. human being, have free will. It's like, mm-hmm. if we were, if God make, if God chose us, then, you know, that makes us kind of a robot to, you know, like, we don't have a free will. Like, God, want, God wants us to freely choose him was kind of how I, you know, um, view uh, the whole salvation and election. So I would say that, um, um, so what was the question again? Like if it's not fair and it do, our lives don't matter anyway because we don't have a choice. It's not fair that our lives don't have a choice. Well, there's two. That's two. He, he was basically just I'm justifying. He, the, the Catholic that Dakota was talking about was kind of justifying his behaviors based on the fact that, you know, okay. if God's already chosen, gotcha. then... Like, so who like, cares like if I... Un- unconditional election, right, is kind of that, uh, the acronym is that, you know, when God chooses you, you know, like, you just don't, you can't even say no. Like, if you really understand the grace of God, what he has done for you, you are going to want to live the best life that you can for him, right? You're not going to be like, oh, I'm safe. I'm safe already, so I can do, I'm going to do whatever I want to now. No. Right? Because if you're truly saved and if you truly understand what God has done for you, the prices he paid, even though I don't deserve it, he chose you. And once you understand that, once you know that, you're you're just going to want to live your life the best as you can for him, to glorify him. Mm-hmm. And that would be the irresistible grace? Irresistible grace, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what would you say 
whenever people would be like, well, that's not fair. God chose certain people and he didn't choose other people. That's not really fair. Um, the fair thing for God to do is to send us all to hell. Mm. Right? That'll be fair. Mm-hmm. God doesn't have to have anybody, have anyone in heaven with them. Mm. So that that's fair. Mm. And the fact that he chose to not act in his fairness, but in his kindness and love and mercy, he elects people to be with him. Mm. So why would God, if he loves people, not save everyone then? Why would he not save any everyone mm-hmm. if he loves people? Because God is not just a God of love, right? God, God is not just one character, right? He is all loving. He's, but he's the people. The, most people don't know that. I mean, but he's all um, vengeful and judge, right? So, if he just um, because of the, because of his character, that he has to have judgment for sin. Mm. Does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. I have an analogy. Okay. that I usually uh, tell people. It helps make sense of this because to to most people, it's a very brutal view of God, and most people refuse to believe any part of it because of emotions a lot of times. It doesn't feel very emotionally gr- good to say that we deserve hell. That's pretty bad. That's pretty brutal. You know what I mean? So most people are like, I don't want to believe that. So the way that uh, the analogy that I heard that was that was very helpful for me to at least understand the idea conceptually was, um, it's basically like if you're there's a bunch of people who are on death row. They're they're all you know they did horrible things. They murdered people. They they you know raped people. They stole. They they did some horrible things that they deserve to die. So they're on death row, right? They're all gonna die the next day. Let's say there's thirty people. God goes in, or I'm sorry, let's not use God in this scenario. The judge goes in and says, hey, randomly saves, let's just say, five people. Was he gracious in that moment to save the five people? Yes, because they deserve death. And so in that instance, he was then gracious because he saved their life, not based on anything they did, not based on who they were, anything like that. He just picked them and they were still gracious because they deserve they did not get what they deserved which is called grace when you do not get what you deserve and so even though the other 25 people died he's still gracious and he's also just in the sense that judge is just because they got what they deserved and so that's basically uh predestination or calvinism like a, an analogy that made a, a lot more sense to me um i've never heard that but what really makes sense, the analogies that make sense was like, you know, um, what uh, what is all she supposed to say? Like, what can a dead person do? Because we're all dead and we're all headed to hell. What can a dead person do? Nothing, right? Mm-hmm. But he chose people to be alive with him, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the analogy that was like, that clicked something in me, right? The other one was, you have a drowning person, right? He's already, he's already, you guys picture like do you do you know a picture where like you have your hand up and then Jesus pulls you up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're dead. You're all you're already drowning. You're already in the sea. You can't. But God, 
comes down and he drags you out of it mm. from the deep, right? Mm. And then one more thing I think I can remember was like Paul. He was Saul, right? He was crucifying Christians. On his road to Damascus, he was going to crucify Christians. Did he, did he say, oh, I want to, you know, did he chose God? Did he say that I want to accept Jesus? No, Jesus came down and called him and saved him. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll get into some final questions here. We're getting to, but right about the 50 minute mark. Usually we, could, oh. we go about an hour. So uh, this is one of the last questions we ask almost everyone. Maybe you've seen it if you've seen our short videos. Uh, this is your message to the world. So you have a final message. It'll, it could be a billboard in Times Square. It could be a paragraph. Someone reads at your eulogy. It could be um, just something that people see and they look at and they go like, oh, yeah, I know that that was Pow for sure. That's what he would have said. And it's your final message to the world. So you have one last message. It could be a sentence or an idea or a paragraph, but it's your final message. What is it? Ooh, okay. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I guess uh, I can just, just go back to how I came to be who I am. Is uh, I think if you're going to believe in something, do something, do it to the best of your ability. If you think that this idea is right, take it to the, you know, the, like take it to its end. Don't just, you know, like stay in the middle, stay here and there, and be comfortable in it. Like if it, if an idea comes, test it out. Like mentally, be like, okay, if that's true, that's got to be true. That's like just play that game out, like to the to its end. Then ultimately, right? There's there's got to be ultimately, right? Ultimately. So so for me, like playing that. Um, playing that question game kind of uh it, it's what where i'm where i am where i am today right what is, especially when it comes to religion and the if you want to talk politics you know like political views like, like this idea if you like live it out test it out all that and what is going to be that result so don't be comfortable with where you're at but if you really think that you're living the right lifestyle that you you think is right if you really think that your religion is truly the the truth um test it out you know test out all the points of it so awesome how can people get a hold of you if they want to buy a house sell a house they want to talk to you they want to reach out to you how can people get a hold of you well don't call tony or dakota Uh, just give out my number. Is that what? Is that what if you happens? want, yeah, we yeah, can give I out Facebook, your number. Facebook, you know, Pal Tupatang. You can reach me on Messenger, or you can reach reach me on my cell, two six zero four nine four seven five five three. Call Pal now. Call, Call Pal now. <laughs> Call Pal now. Get a house. <laughs> All right. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share with our viewers before we say goodbye? Uh, if you guys want to just uh, you know learn more about my journey and everything, like I'm more than willing to talk to you one on one and just really you know if you're struggling with anything, especially with um, your identity, you know, 
just I'm I'll be happy to you know guide you to some of the other podcasters that I listen to that's really helped me grow in my journey. So don't don't be afraid to reach reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to, happy to you know talk to you and hopefully we can have a you know brotherhood that keeps growing and growing and growing and help each other out, keep each other accountable. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> thank you guys for watching. We'll see you on the next one. Peace.